This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Which of City's 2011-12 title winning squad would have challenged for a spot in the starting 11 of today's all-conquering side? Join us as we discuss and debate just that throughout today's episode while building the ultimate Man City seven-a-side team. It's Friday the 24th of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm a flu-stricken Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Ahoy chaps, um, firstly welcome back Adam, you're, you're back in the saddle after your Manchester endeavours, are you glad to be home or are you missing the, the rain and the wind already? Weirdly, it was probably the first time of all of my trips out there that I was looking forward to leaving. I was just so spent because typically, you know, I go and just kind of live my normal life. I work, I go out to the games, I go home, you know, I just kind of live there for a few weeks. Whereas this time, you know, we were all hanging out. I had social engagements Every single day, all throughout the day, do, take, doing things with my dad around town. I was just so, so spent and uh, just basically collapsed onto the plane. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to be back in a more relaxed environment, that's for sure. I, I know what you mean. I sometimes get that at the end of trips where you actually look forward to going back to work, which I suppose is a good sign that you have a, a decent job and you enjoy it. Um, Oliver, you no longer have a job, so congratulations on that. And as she said in the introduction, you're feeling quite ill, so uh, quite a contrast of emotions here. Yes, mate. I actually picked up the Lurgy from Booker. I think we accidentally switched Guinness glasses at some point, so... Um... There Thank was a lot of that, deliberation Adam. in that pool hall about whose Guinness <laughs> glass was whose. So. Yeah, there was. So I think I picked up the wrong one and I've picked up a nice parting gift from Adam. And uh, yes, I have 
quit my job. I'm starting up something by myself. So I'm assuming that I, Amos and Arjun will be more than happy to advertise me for free on this podcast. Can't wait, guys. Uh, some house rules for today's episode then <laughs> as the as the introduction alluded to we're going to be building an ultimate man city seven aside team now we've done a couple of these sort of concept 11s in the past an ultimate pep guardiola starting 11 this is going to be seven players and it's going to be debated with adam and it's going to be debated with oliver i have assigned both oliver and adam seven players each one goalkeeper two defenders one midfielder two wingers and a strike Cup. The criteria is pretty simple. They've been taken from the 2011-12 uh, title winning campaign. Oliver, that's your cohort of players. Adam, you've got seven current Manchester City players. So, you know, a decent crop of talent, you should think. As master of ceremonies, I'm going to decide after 60 seconds for each person who were each person's going to put forward their case, defender versus defender, goalkeeper versus goalkeeper, etc. We're going to build, hopefully, a decent-looking seven-a-side team from that. I think the only caveat before we get into it is that it isn't seven-a-side specific, so it doesn't have to be sort of the best ball-playing centre-half, for example, or the best ball-playing goalkeeper. That will come into it, of course, but it isn't the the ultimate decider. Um to be honest, Oliver, I think if this debate is anything like your pool matches against Adam, then it's going to be quite a simple task for you. Yeah, I'm feeling quite confident. You know why? I've got the power of nostalgia behind me and you can't beat a bit of nostalgia bias. So I'll be leveraging that to the max. Adam, you, you, you're almost against the cartel here. You've got the uh, the, the, the the statues outside the Etihad, quite literally, the, the laced in gold. These 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 people are these players are, are fondly remembered. You've got to make a case uh, for looking behind the curtain against Vincent Company of all people. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, play a little bit of of emotional devil's advocate here. So I'm looking forward to being the uh, the villain in this one. Nicely done. Uh, right, okay, as I said, 60 seconds each, so I'll pull up a stopwatch and I'll let you know when the gong goes and when it will finish. Ollie, you're going to take it up first. Your goalkeeper from the 2011-12 title-winning campaign is obviously Joe Hart. 60 seconds to tell me why he should be in this team ahead of Edison. Super Joey Hart. He, first and foremost, has the shot stopping over Edison. We, we, that, that, for me, is absolutely a non-starter debate-wise. He pulled out some magic in so many games. Uh, I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks back that this is something that other clubs have of, over us at the moment that we don't have. Keepers like Allison, keepers like De Gea, they have the downfalls, but they can keep their side in the game. And Hart did that. The game against Barcelona in particular, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but he had a monster class, probably his best game in a City shirt ever. Uh, he made Lionel Messi look like a kid on the playground trying to put the ball past him. Um, as well, Hart bleeds blue, right? He's an academy product. He loves City. And you know that through thick and thin, Joe Hart would have been with us if we'd gone down, if we'd come back up, Hart would have been there. So my case for Hart, he can actually uh, turn a game around and save a game for us. And he's a blue through and through. Bang on, 59 seconds, point sixty-eight. nicely done. Um, strong start, strong start. Adam, you're up next. You've got to tell me why. After all of that, loving for Joe Hart. £100,000 bargain back in the day, Joe Hart. Obviously went on to, to go in net for City's first ever title win. Oh, sorry, first ever Premier League win. Um, you've got 60 seconds of your own to tell us why Edison should be in ahead of him. 
Well, I think this is this is pretty easy. I mean, the ball playing ability of Ederson, especially in a seven. I know this isn't a, a specifically a seven aside game, but the ball playing of Ederson is just world class. We've never seen a keeper like it. I've never seen a football team in which plays start from him from the goalkeeper. The man gets assists. I'm surprised he doesn't have a few goals yet already. And you mentioned the shot stopping, but as we're going to get on later in this episode, my team is so good that we won't need to be saving any shots when you look at my defense. So I can just focus on the ball playing ability of Ederson and the fact that he can step up into midfield with the ball and link up with the rest of my team just gives me an unreal advantage. I don't even need all 60 seconds. All I've got to say is the ball playing ability sets him farther ahead than everybody else. 50 seconds coming in hot. I feel like we're in a fire in the booth. You know, they used to do on BBC Radio on Extra. I feel like Charlie Sloth. I need like a... Um, that was that was good. That was good. It's a strong. It's a strong start from both competitors. Um, I, I, I guess you know. I did say you can't have you know. It isn't a seven aside specific debate. So while the ball playing ability is is obviously crucial, I am looking at it and I'm going Joe Hart. He was obviously there for the FA Cup when he was there for the title winning campaign. However, I'm not too sure how crucial he was in those campaigns. I almost feel like the defence in front of him did help him out. And the, the games you mentioned, Dolly, the Barcelona, is that, well, that time he played an absolute blind against Lionel Messi. City still lost that time. And I look at Edison and I look at the way he transformed City's sort of fortunes under Guardiola and, and how City have been able to build a team, specifically 2017 through to what, 2020 or maybe 2021 as well. I know he's on a on a little bit of a decline, and I, I think he's up there with one of the most important signings. So I'm actually I'm going to stick with the the recency bias. I'm going to go for Edison. Um, Ollie, is that is that a, a horrendous claim for you? Is that when you can put your hands up, or are you filing a complaint to the Court of Arbitration for Sport already after round one? I don't think it's horrendous. I think Hart does have a lot of the, the thing is with these two is they're so different. It's not necessarily a debate about who's got more quality than the other one. They've got completely different qualities. Hart commanded from the back, right? If was if we had Hart in the defence uh, in, that, in that period where we were missing Ruben Diaz and we felt we had no leadership, Hart could have been that guy. But as you say, the way that Edison can, can recycle the ball at the back and be part of, part of a bigger thing in terms of our transition, our build-up play, they're just so different. So... I will hand it to you. I'll give you that decision. I won't take that one too harshly. But if some of the others that are coming up go the other way, I might react a little bit worse. You could say he's not taking it to heart. Adam, thoughts? Well, what I what I will say, and listen, I absolutely love Joe Hart, but Ederson, the ice in his veins, I don't think one mistake against Iceland ruins Ederson's career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. In fact, you could probably point it back to the uh, Andrea Pirlo chip penalty or the Penenka in Euro 2012, I think it was. And uh, and yeah, um, right, okay, let, let's move on then. We'll, we'll adopt the old League Cup style penalty kick shootout format. We'll go A, B, B, A, <coughs> A, B, B, etc. In other words, Adam, you're up next. It's the defenders then. There's two defensive slots. We've gone for a centre-back versus a centre-back and a right-back versus a right-back. Company versus Stones for this one. You're up with John Stones to start off with. Tell me why John Stones should be ahead of legend, club leader, Vincent Company. What is there to say about Super Johnny Stones that hasn't already been said? I mean, you only have to go back and look at 2019, Liverpool at home. 
He saves the ball from 11.5 millimeters over the line. I mean, that is an absolute hero at this football club. And that is the kind of man that I would want in my seven-a-side team. Listen, like I said about Ederson, while he may not he, he may not match up with some of the defenders of the past from a pure defensive ability. His ability to carry the ball out from the back and link up with the, play, the rest of the players in my team makes him just an undroppable player in any footballing team, especially a Manchester City footballing team. So listen, with John Stones, he gets the Blues excited. He fucking hates United. And he is absolutely going straight in to this seven-a-side team. Again, nicely done. Uh, I think if it was a, a saying that Vincent Company had a very good song of his own, but that John Stones chant is is absolute top dollar. Um, he gets the Blues excited. He fucking hates United, Ollie. You could say it about Vincent Company, but you tell me why he should be in ahead of Sir John Stones from Barnsley. This has got to be the easiest one of the lot, right? Surely, surely. Company, all right, iconic goals against United in the title running, beat them 1-0 at home. Not only that, about hates United, scored his goal, crashed into Phil Jones, sent him sent him flying across the six-yard box before he ran out in absolute pandemonium in his celebration. His goal against Leicester to cap off his career, which is almost like you know the beginning and the end, beautiful endings, and we've still got the potential management to come. But on the pitch, leader of men, the greatest captain anyone could possibly want. Never got in any kind of trouble off the pitch. An absolute rock in defence. Had his injury issues, as has Stones, but when he came back, always at 110%. Completely transformed the people and the men around him. The dream He's a dream centre-half, he's a dream captain, and he's a dream representative of the club as well. Oh. Oof, uh, this this is this one's hurting me a little bit because I've said on record a number of times that from a purely sort of footballing point of view, I think John Stones is the best defender City have ever had. Not in terms of making blocks, saving tackles, etc., which he obviously can do, but just as an overall footballer, I think John Stones is the best defender City have ever had. However, it's Vincent Company, and and uh, as you say there, Ollie, he's, he's the he's the statesman. He's the sort of the face of a club, and he, well, he, at least he was whilst he was here, and he very well could be going forward. So I think I would, uh, regardless of what I actually think, I think I, w- I wouldn't have a, a platform ever again if I if I said <laughs> Vincent Company didn't get in this team. So uh, not begrudgingly, but quite convincingly, Vincent Company can go in there as the first defender. Uh, sticking with you, Ollie, then. Going on to the to the second defensive spot, it's Zabaleta versus Walker. Zabaleta obviously scored in that final day victory against Crystal, uh, Crystal Palace against Queens Park Rangers on the final day of twenty twelve. He's a he's a bona fide City legend, cult hero. Tell me why he should be there ahead of Walker. Zabaleta, I think, was actually an unbelievable right back. It, it wasn't only his his status as a as a hard worker and somebody that I you think know, there's a couple of iconic pictures of, of blood streaming down his head and but he wasn't just a warrior. Zabaleta was genuinely a brilliant wing back. As you said he, he got up and involved in the big games against <coughs> sorry against QPR. He was brilliant at the back. Um Micah Richards was meant to be the guy to carry us forward for years, right? When he came through. And Zabaleta just completely superseded him for great reason. And we miss his character on the pitch. Almost the same as company, right? You imagine the leadership, the the, the pure masculine warrior energy coming from company. You stick Zabaleta on top of that, you have got a force at the back that is 
I think more than we've had ever since, and it's going to be very hard to ever recapture that. I, I always remember a quote from from Gary Neville actually going back a couple of years, and and he said at the time, uh, Zabaleta was the best ever right back the Premier League had produced above himself, Gary Neville, which for Gary Neville to say that, we know he loves a little bit of an ego trip, so it uh, clearly says something, but uh, I have a feeling, Adam, that not only in the wider discourse, but in today's show, that, that you'll have something to say about that claim from from Mr Neville, specifically in relation to Kyle Walker. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I've been a long believer of the fact that Kyle Walker, up until this summer, was the club's most important signing of the Pep Guardiola era. He defines what it means to be a modern overlapping fullback, to go from one end of the pitch to the other, defend, attack. We've even seen him step into midfield at times, so we know that he could play with the ball with John Stones and my other players. Um it's just always going to be Kyle Walker when it comes to English fullbacks. And off the pitch, I mean, what a guy to hang out with on a night out. The banter <laughs> is unbelievable. The antics are unbelievable. If you're if you're out looking for a great piss-up, the guy to get in your team is Kyle Walker. So on the pitch, off the pitch, it's a no-brainer, Kyle Walker. Legal disclaimer, they are the views of Adam Buck and not the City Report podcast. Um, it was going so well until about 35 seconds in, Adam. And then you just, you, 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 you've, you've descended the arm of the arm of lawyers down on the City Report podcast once again. Uh, right, okay, what to unpack from there? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, from a footballing point of view, not who you'd like to take on a pub crawl, um, although the answer might, may or may not be the same, but from a footballing point of view, it, it's a pretty easy one. I, I will say, just to, to, to peek behind the curtain once more, the, the mind games are already going here. Midway through that, Ollie sent Adam, or sorry, sent in the chat whilst he was speaking a, a message saying, not not easy to argue this one, walk all day long. So he's he obviously trying to throw Adam off his, off his rhythm and his rhyme during that, during that debate. But yeah, Kyle Walker, he goes in there, which makes it two from three for the modern day lads. Just Vincent Company there uh, in terms of the 2011-12 winning season. Let's step into midfield then. And I think this is probably where we see the most contrast starting to, to sort of come in a little bit. We've got Yaya Torre versus Rodri, who are two very different players, but two supreme operators at the same time. Adam, you're going to kick it off with the midfield. You're going to take Rodri. Why should Rodri be there ahead of Yaya Torre? When you look at this City team of the last two seasons and the absolute madmen as far as talent goes, we've had Kevin De Bruyne, we've had other players like I've mentioned already, Kyle Walker, John Stone, some incredibly talented players. Yet the man who stands above all of them as the most important player in Pep Guardiola's team in the last two or three seasons, it's Rodri. His ability to not only set the tempo of a game, control the tempo of a game, everything runs through him in a midfield, but he also can just be an absolute janitor. He cleans up everything. He goes from side to side, cleaning up every counter attack, breaking up anything the opposition is trying to do. And if we're considering that my seven-a-side team is playing on a slightly smaller pitch than what Rodri is used to. That means he can just go from side to side to side, cleaning up everything. So it doesn't even matter what attacking players Ali has going forward because they aren't getting past Rodri in that midfield. He is a one-man wrecking crew. He is the best central defensive uh, midfielder. Uh, <laughs> there we go. 
Um, yeah, a little bit over them. We'll, we'll, we'll throw some leniency in there. Ollie, in terms of Yaya versus Rodri in, in final day, title winning seasons, Rodri scores a goal as City, I think it was the equaliser, obviously, wasn't it, in the in the game against Aston Villa. Yaya Torre goes off injured in the first half. So there's an immediate one up for Adam. Can you pull it back? Can you tell me why Yaya Torre should, in fact, be ahead of Rodri in this seven-a-side team? Firstly, the only man that can blast his way past Rodri on the ball is one, Yaya Torre. As an operator on the ball from midfield, supreme. But talk about importance as well. Big moments, big games. Two goals against Newcastle in the title running. Equaliser against Sunderland, 35-yard curler, top left bins. Um, goal against Man United in the semi-final. Goal against Stoke in the final. Yaya Torre, if it wasn't for Aguero, Yaya would be considered as the provider of the biggest goals in City's modern era. Yaya has it all, as he did age a little bit. He did sit sit back a little more as, as a more of a destroyer rather than kind of that hybrid box-to-box midfielder. But Yaya, <clears throat> Yaya has it all, or had it all anyway. And of course, registered probably the greatest season we've ever seen from a Premier League central midfielder in 13-14. No debate, Rodri is sensational but it's got to be it's got to be the big man i'm gonna i'm just gonna leave that for hanging a little bit uh adam do you think if it wasn't for the birthday cake incident that is obviously sort of very well known now that perhaps yaya Torre would have been amongst those with a statue outside the stadium so what aguero david <laughs> silver um and vincent company of course because for me i've always felt that 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 incident, that birthday cake incident, never clouded my judgment of him. I know some fans, it, it sort of cut ties and it sort of severed the legacy a little bit. But for me, as Ollie mentioned, FA Cup semi-final, FA Cup final, Newcastle game, uh, 2013-14, dragging City to a title when they were sort of hampered with injuries somewhat. Do you think that perhaps his legacy is, is sort of underrated a little bit? I think by... Um... Logically thinking people, it's not underrated. I, I should hope it's not at least. Um, Ali is bang on that the moments that he provided, um, while some of them may not be considered the biggest moments in the club's history or the biggest goals in the club's history, the moments that people do consider as those biggest moments don't happen without his moments. You know, we, we don't get to the final day at QPR without his brace at Newcastle. We don't get to finish off the 2013-14 season with his masterclass at Selhurst Park that led us to that final day win against West Ham. Um, So he's absolutely um, one of the greatest players to ever don the shirt. Um, But, you know, if I'm a manager picking these two, if I've got all this group of players out on the school pitch and I'm picking them one by one, I can't can't look past the birthday cake incident because everybody in the lunchroom was really upset about it. (laughs) Um, can't look past a birthday cake incident but can look past uh, an incident of alleged public nudity from from one of our players we're all just here for a good time Ollie (laughs) I can see what what your priorities here are Adam 
Hey, he just loves the Victoria sponge cake. Who doesn't? Oh, um, which has a totally different meaning when you start to speak about Kyle Walker in that sense. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. He's in there. He's absolutely in there. I think you know we could have he could have left City after the the FA Cup semi final against United, let alone going on to score the winning goal in the final. And and he 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 did he did evolve into different sorts of plays. He was very advanced under Mancini, obviously under Pellegrini. Was working with Fernandinho had that amazing season 2013-14 which perhaps only rivaled by Gundogan in 2020-2021 for the best I've ever seen from midfielder so yeah uh, yeah, Torre I'm happy to say and he will be happy to say we can stick him in there there's no cake for celebrating that though um, we're going to cake we're going to cake a quick break oh my god he's in my head we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back afterwards to finish off this seven aside team Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your usual home for our daily Manchester City content. Usual schedule will be coming back next week as we gear up for the, the title, hopefully running, and Champions League and FA Cup runs as well. Um, let's crack straight back on with today's episode then. We're going to move into the sort of the wide areas, the wingers, and, and a little bit of a, a caveat for this one as well. I, I've put Kevin De Bruyne in there purely because I want to see how you two face off against each other when debating these two. So in the modern day corner, we've got Kevin De Bruyne. In the 2011-12 corner, which Ollie, you can kick things off with, we've got the one, the only, David Silva. El Mago, statue outside the ground. I, I'm blessed here again with the nostalgia bias. And I, I have struggled with the debate between these two, but whenever I go back to the highlights of David Silva, you just realise how insanely magical he was, but also how consistent he was. I don't think David Silva ever drops a stinker in a City shirt. So when you're picking between these players and you've got to put them on the pitch on any given day, you know you're getting at least an 8 out of 10 from David Silva. Not only that, De Bruyne, he does have the spectacular moments in him the insane passes, the goals, but David keeps things ticking. If you want to control a game and build a team around somebody, especially at the front end, David Silva is your man. You can have runners in in behind him. You can have runners ahead of him. You can have runners out wide into the open space, the overlapping fullbacks. He'll find them, right? The guys are walking magnifying glass. What did they say about him? Football rearview mirrors, rearview mirrors on his face or something. He's that guy. David is... I would say and that's she's your time. talented. Go on. You miss, Go you're on, missing, I'll give you're, it. Yeah, you're missing your closing argument. We've gone from cutting short to maybe going over a little bit. You need to manage your time better, boys. Um, David Silva, yeah, there was there was a famous quote. Wouldn't My granddad used to tell me all the time he would be able to find room in a bed with the Vicar of Dibley or something like that, which is uh, sort of, <laughs> it goes to show that uh, the sort of the sort of quotes that were being uh, said out on BBC Radio Manchester at the time. I have um, no idea what that saying means, but they sure were <laughs> funny words. <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley. You, know, you should watch it. It's it's a, it's a funny show. Uh, Adam, you can you can back that up. You've got. Oh, I'm excited for this one. You've got Kevin De Bruyne. Tell me why Kevin De Bruyne deserves a place in this team ahead of his once teammate David Silva. I once thought David Silva would be the greatest player I ever saw wear the city shirt, and then Kevin De Bruyne hit his peak. I mean, the passing range from this man is absolutely unbelievable. And I know there's a little bit less room on a seven-a-side pitch, but he's going to be able to find those little pockets of space to play in my unbelievable forwards that I'll be introducing later on. Um, I've already got the control with Rodri in my midfield, so all I need is just an absolute madman that is just going to 
create the moments of brilliance. And yes, David Silva is going to give me the 8 out of 10 every single week, but I'm looking for the 12 out of 10. I'm looking for the 13 out of 10. And you get that with Kevin De Bruyne. Some of the moments we've seen from him, some of the the nights we've seen from him, whether it's scoring goals from outside of the box, doesn't matter which foot, or it's raking passes from one touchline to the other right onto Leroy Sané's foot, it doesn't really matter. He does it all. And all I need is the moments of brilliance from my team, and he will give me those moments of brilliance because he is the greatest player to ever wear the Manchester City shirt. Boo. Um, Big, big statements coming out here. Big statements. This is like we're into into the heavyweight stuff now. Uh, uh, I was excited for it. It didn't disappoint. I, I feel like with David Silva, there is... In terms of consistent levels, I'm not quite sure there was ever a man who will ever again in world football sort of match those those levels week in, week out. You're looking at Lionel Messi, and I, and I used to say all the time, if if David Silva could score more goals or at least attempt to score more goals, because it's it seemed like he was had an allergy to trying to shoot at times, um, then he then he would be up in the conversations as, as crazy as it sounds with the likes of Lionel Messi, because there's there's not much that the two can't do side by side this sounds me crazy saying it but you know looking back at it and you're right Ollie, you look at the highlights and and you see it again for yourself however with Kevin De Bruyne while his floor may be lower and we're seeing that lately in terms of the fact that he can drop stinkers his ceiling I feel possibly is is higher in terms of he can bring you those absolute on his own match winning performances which Perhaps maybe I've forgotten a, a couple, but I'm not quite sure Darius Silva did as often, or, or certainly, certainly didn't do as often, but as much. Um, so I think I think I'm going to say begrudgingly, Kevin De Bruyne sneaks in there ahead of ahead of David Silva. Can you give us a uh, score update here? I can give you a score update for sure. So, uh, what are we, four players in? No, five players in. We've got Edison in net, who's obviously modern-day Edison. We've got company at the back, 11-12, Kyle Walker. So, that's 2-1. Yaya Torre made it 2-2. Adam edges out in front with Kevin De Bruyne and making it 3-2, which sets up this one quite nicely, Ollie. Um... In terms of forwards, this is potentially the one where you could have picked a couple of players and, and had them go up against each other. We've decided on Nasri versus Foden. Adam, you're going to kick it off with Phil Foden, king of Edgeley, um, another one who, who's off the field antics are, are somewhat left to be desired. But in terms of his footballing ability, tell me why he should be in there. <laughs> I mean, another one, Sammy Nasri, who's off the pitch antics. Yeah. <laughs> God, Jesus Christ, an absolute a feral, feral squad this. But uh, tell me why Phil Foden's on the pitch antics are better than Nasri's on the pitch antics. Well, for a start, we're having this debate and we haven't even seen the best of Phil Foden yet. We've seen the best of Sam Nasri. We've seen his peak. But with Phil Foden, we're still years from it. I mean, it's not often that you say a kid from the academy, from Edgeley, as you say, at 22, 23 years old, is one of the first names on the team sheet for a Pep Guardiola football team. That that just doesn't happen. His ability to be a direct pacey winger or slip into midfield and pick little passes in space. He does all of the things from players that we've mentioned already, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. He does them all already, and he's at that age. He's only going to get better, and he's still already the best of the bunch of this young generation. So 
when you consider all that and given the fact that him, John Stones, and Kyle Walker would be a blast on a night out, my team is just getting better and better on and off the pitch. Uh, yeah. Um, oh God, Almighty, we're going to get in some big trouble here. But um, Sammy Nasri versus Phil Foden, it, it's a weird matchup, Ollie. Uh, but I, I, I used to love Sammy Nasri, so you've you've got a starting point already. Obviously, love Phil Foden, but in terms of looking back on that eleven twelve team, I thought Sammy Nasri was was absolutely crucial. So tell us why Sammy Nasri will displace the 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 child of the the CFA Phil Foden and why he deserves a place in this team instead. Well, I can't say much about Nasri off the pitch. You might not want a night out with him, but you also don't want to leave him with your missus. So <laughs> we'll say that much about Sammy and Nasri. But do you know what Nasri over Foden? Because Nasri has what Foden is yet to learn: tempo control, la pausa. The kind of thing that Pep talks about. Nasri was almost ahead of his time, and I think if Pep wanted any of these players that I'm making a case for today. Other than Silva, Nasri probably would have been second on his list. He has he had almost a hybrid between Grealish and Foden in that he could speed the play up, go out his man out wide, or he could cut inside, pause, wait, and control the tempo from those half spaces. So for me, Samir Nasri, the technical ability, the audacity to go out his man and beat him as well, he could operate in either the wide or central roles, again, which we're yet to see from Foden, we may see it in the future, but Nasri was the more complete player and I think he would have been a dream for Pep. I wholeheartedly agree in the sense that we, if if we're looking at that crop of 11-12 players, if Pep Guardiola could pick one in his prime, because obviously don't forget, Nasri was at the club when Guardiola arrived and, and infamously was sent to train on his own, but that was more sort of to do with age and, and getting on a little bit. I think that Sammy Nasri would have been perhaps high on his shopping list. And I'll be honest, I, I, before we started, I highlighted who I would have in each sort of column and, and who I thought would take take the take the prize and get put in the team. I think on the back of that argument, Ollie, you, you've switched it a little bit. And I think it's possibly because I'm looking at Phil Foden, I think he can go on to be in the category of silver, Kevin De Bruyne, the best that City have ever had. However, Nasri has, at this moment in time, done it. I think Phil Foden's best performance or most impactful performance was perhaps Brussie Dortmund away in the COVID season where he got a couple of goals or, or he's definitely scored one and City went through to the semi-finals. Um, but with Nasri, there was the, the goal against Chelsea in the title-winning campaign. There was the goal against Spurs in that, in that season as well. And I think he... In this particular season that we're speaking about, 2011-12, Sammy Nasri was at so, at points the absolute man, and um, and yeah, I think I think I'm going to go Nasri, which is it surprised me a little bit. But you made you made such a good case that he's going in there alongside Kevin De Bruyne, and that's a that's a lethal looking wing partnership. So it, it actually levels it up quite nicely at three three ahead of the uh, ahead of the the absolute masterpiece, the the one you've all come for. Um, now this should get tasty, Ollie. I'm gonna. In fact, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the. Se- I'm gonna get. Let you go second in this one, purely because. No, in fact, no, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send you off first. I'm gonna send you off first, and I'm gonna leave leave Adam with the the unenvious task of arguing against Mister Sergio Aguero. It's Aguero versus Harland, if you're wondering, um, which is maybe a little bit of a an unfair matchup. I don't know. We'll see. Ollie, take it away. Sixty seconds. Why does the title winner from the 2011-12 season, Sergio Aguero, deserve a place in this team. Aguero is the more complete forward. Uh, we mentioned in the podcast the other day talking about Haaland, that he is 
not a good footballer from your words, Amos. He's very good at one thing and one thing only, and that is putting the ball in the back of the net. Aguero, also a complete finisher, a complete forward. In terms of his goal scoring, best minutes per goal ratio in the Premier League outside of Haaland and certainly for 100 appearances or more, uh, beating out all of the other goal scoring legends. And also off the field, nary an issue for his entire time. Injury record, questionable, but he can slot into any system that you want him to slot into. He'll still get his goals and he can play various different roles that you need. Pressing forward, false nine, out and out advanced striker, doesn't matter. Aguero can do it all and he'll bag you a shit ton of goals at the same time. Strong, strong. I always feel like with this one, you, you've certainly got the upper hand to start off with. Obviously, Owen Haaland's been here for once, well, not even one season, not one full complete season yet. Um, Adam, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to sort of draw in that recency bias. You're going to have to tap into all of our current Erling Haaland loving senses. You've got a big task but I'm sure the listeners believe in you. 60 seconds on the clock. Tell us why, and this sentence is giving me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, but tell us why Erling Haaland deserves a place ahead of Sergio Aguero. I'm going to make this short and sweet. Sergio Aguero's best ever goal return in the Premier League at City was 26 goals. The date is March 25th, and Erling Haaland currently has 28 goals with 12 more games to play. I rest my case. <laughs> Ollie, do you want to use the last 20 seconds of Adam's segment to, to, I to will. come back at that? Absolutely. I'll say that sums it up. That's exactly what I said. Harlan's a dream, don't get me wrong, but he's good at one thing and one thing only, however monstrously good he is at that. But Aguero will bring you a lot more to a team. I don't need my mailman to build me my house. I just need him to deliver my mail. <laughs> Ooh, it's getting feisty. I there feel like Eddie Hearn's going to come in and start trying to sell us off and, and have us have us going on a contract and a promotion. Uh, this is yeah that 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 was a, that was a strong night. Oh god! But now now the one point more. Is, All right, one go. more, one more, one more. My player never put a release clause in his contract. A, a, Allegedly, and now now we're getting in. Now we're getting into the mm. the proper I'm, I'm dirty, dirty stuff. Now. I'm boxing yeah. dirty now. Yeah, I mean, recent reports suggest that release clause has disappeared. Now Guardiola's extended, but I suppose Adam, have you got a, a one one final counter argument? Erling Haaland is using Manchester City as a stepping stone. Ollie alleges. Have you got anything to say against that? Well, it's all alleged. And if we, if we as Manchester City fans know anything, that a legend doesn't mean guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Gloves have well and truly come off. I mean, now's the point where I've got to decide between the two. And, and, and to, to sort of, to call it fair, I'm going to take the arguments alone. I'm not going to sort of draw in on any previous opinions I may have had or, or preconceptions. Um, I accept your point, Ollie. If I'm looking at who I want as a footballer, Sergio Aguero certainly is maybe not levels above, but in terms of if we're doing an all-round drill, passing, dribbling, etc., then it would be Aguero over Erling Haaland. However, the the goal scoring record, and it's barely even a record, it's hardly got off the first sheet of paper on the notepad. It's been that sort of small amount of time at Manchester City. What is Aguero's uh, overall record for the club? Is it in the 180s or something like that? 
Haaland's almost done a quarter of that in in 30 odd 40 games or so so it, oh, it's a proper difficult one. I'm almost tempted to, to leave it to the jury, the listeners, and, and they can decide. But I, I don't think that's what we come for. We've come to see a winner. Um, oh, I'm I'm going to say, for the safety of my family, I'm going to say Sergio Aguero just. But I appreciate if we're going if we're going on arguments, then Adam, those, those retorts were were absolutely absolutely top draw. But I just think in terms of I gave it to Nasri because he'd been there, he'd done it. At this moment in time, Erling Haaland hasn't won a trophy with City, let alone a league title, and in the manner Sergio Aguero did in 2011-12. But I think I think you made a good case, Adam. Good good effort, mate. I yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about this. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. This is really putting our relationship as not only co-hosts and co-founders of this podcast, but as friends. <laughs> I was stood right next to you less than a week ago in the Kipax corner, and you were just foaming from the mouth. Holland, 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 Holland. I was there. I saw it. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong, Moss. You look you're nervous. Not wrong. I know. That's what I said. I said I'm, I fear for the safety of my family. I failed to <laughs> take into account that Adam could get his hitmen himself to come and to come and take him out. Um, Ollie, I think that actually means. Like Aguero in 2011-12, you take the victory at the last moment. Um, you've got a smug face, and I'm, I can see why. It's a, it's a, it's a fair, it's a, it's a hard fought but fair victory in the end. Absolutely. Was I two 0 down at one point? I don't think I was. We can't draw too many similarities then, but <laughs> rightly so. I think a couple of these boys still have things to prove. Haaland, of course, his goal scoring doesn't have anything to prove, but as he said, he's not won any trophies yet. He's still in his first season. Uh, Foden, he's got more to learn if he's going to become as well-rounded and the perfect pet player. So, yeah, I think all in all, that's quite fair. I've got absolutely no qualms with your decisions, Amos. I think if we're drawing comparisons, my frequent tangents about how great my team would be on a night out. It's, that's that's my Joey Barton moment in this time. Booker that's where, wants, that's where wants, I lost it. Booker wants VAR here to find some weird loophole in the yeah. law, not to yeah. get it. Yeah, it's like the Liverpool fans asking for the title back in 2013-14, uh, in etc. Um, right, okay, to run through the team for one final time, Edison in net over Joe Hart, Vincent Company and Kyle Walker as the defenders over John Stones and Pablo Zabaleta, Yaya Torre in midfield ahead of Rodri, Nasri, Kevin De Bruyne on the wing ahead of Phil Foden and David Silva, and finally Sergio Aguero in attack over Erling Haaland. Decent team, Matt. I've just got one more special for you, Amos, and for you only. Oh, God. To cap this oh, off. Oh, God. This seven plus four unnamed players are heading off for a Champions League final. We're against Man United in the Champions oh. League final. Who's your manager? 11-12, Bobby Mank, Roberto Mancini, or Pep Guardiola? See, it should be a simple question, but I, I don't think it is because you've got with Pep Guardiola, his recent Champions League track record is obviously more than sketchy. A number of big decisions being, bar last season, which was solely down to the players, I think you could perhaps attribute the blame partly to his door on most of City's Champions League exits. We've, uh, with Roberto Mancini, obviously, on the back of an FA Cup win the year before, albeit a, a very favourable run. And then 
obviously the the mastermind to to get City from eight points down at Easter, win the title with City. I think you probably have to just about say Guardiola in this sense because he's been there, he's won it before. However, as as the as the banter pages on Twitter like to say, it was only ever with Lionel Messi. Can he do it without Messi? So far, not. Uh, I think this is where the podcast gets shut down. <laughs> yeah, all I'll say is that Bobby Monk wears a scarf better than Pep. <laughs> he wears a lot of things better than Pep's event. That's well, not yeah, that's, that's nothing on Pep because Whoa. that's Bobby Monk. Pep Guardiola is a sexual icon in this household. <laughs> and Bobby Mank isn't. I, I suppose in his uh, Euro 2020 suit, I mean, that's like, that's runway stuff. So yeah. hmm, this may be another rainy day <laughs> international break podcast. Who was sexier, Bobby Mank or Pep Guardiola? <laughs> yeah, Fashion and, uh, icons of the 2011-12 team and the 2022-23 teams. Yeah, yeah, which probably shouldn't take too long given the sort of stuff people were wearing back then. Um, right, chats, before we sort of wheel away in some sort of unhinged tangent, if if more so, not already, um, it's been a pleasure. Ollie, thank you very much. Thank you. Adam, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm about to go and lock up my family, batten down the hatches and drill the door locks as one. Um, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. We will see you later. Until next time. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 